Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app/breadbox. Praised be Jesus Christ. Now and forever. I'm Alexandra Sullivan. And I'm Father Connolly. Welcome to Raising Saints, Helping Kids Hear God's Voice. We're a priest and a mom who are eager to do our best to answer kids' questions about God, the church, the faith, and more. Most importantly, to help them to grow in their relationship with God and ultimately hear His voice. Father Connolly. Hi, Mrs. Sullivan. How are you? I am blessed. Are you? Very good. <laughs> the new year. Yes. I get to wear purple again. That's right. <laughs> Very exciting. Purple is the only color we don't have here. Oh, no. We don't have a purple chasuble for dress up here. Oh. We have a purple stole. So for when Matthew's hearing confessions. Exactly. But we don't have a purple, nor a pink, rose, rather. Thank you. Yes, sorry. Um, So right now, what's happening at All Saints Chapel may be not quite in line with the liturgical calendar. Well, we'll let it slide. Okay. Let it slide. Although it is within the, the parish bounds, therefore, a mission church. It's a mission. We need a mission church here. (laughs) Shall we pray? Yes, please. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So here we are in Advent. Advent. 
leading into, we're recording just before the second Sunday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk a little bit about Advent, preparing. Godspell, do you know I was having Samantha listen to that? Because she's having new singing lessons and we're trying to think of new songs for her. How do you think that would go if at the beginning of Mass, I just stood in the back of the church and theatrically sang that song? And I took out my tambourines. Yeah, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) We could do Gregorian chant style. We could do that. So, so but do we prepare? That's that's the question of the season. That's um, certainly a question this week, as I've been mulling over, uh, particularly the gospel for this Sunday. As you mentioned, it's going to be as we're recording this. We're approaching the second Sunday of Advent. Yeah, and we have um, for our gospel passage for Mass um, that beginning of St. Luke's Gospel. Um, where where he kind of sets the stage and um, talks about the ful- the fulfillment of the the prophecy of one crying out in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Um, so something I've been thinking about. How, well, how how do we do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we could just talk about that a little bit. How do we spiritually prepare? Um, how do we prepare in our families? What what do we do? Um, are we going to be like CVS and November 1st, the Santas are up and the, you know, um, or are we going to embrace this season? Of, yeah. Of so um, I think right away we see, as I mentioned before, you know, I was kind of kidding about getting to wear purple again. <laughs> um, but it's true that, that that makes us think of Lent, I think, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We wear purple vestments or violet vestments. Um, Lent might give us uh, goosebumps, you know, if we think about bad Lenten experiences, or especially this Lent, which was so. I think it's still going. It's, it's yeah, <laughs> but um, but there's a great wisdom to that, you know. And now, technically, this is something I just recently learned from what? our pal. Father Massey at St. Mary's in Fishkill. Nice. I didn't realize there are two distinct shades of purple ideally used in the liturgy. What? There's an Advent one and a Lenten one. Really? In practice, many parishes will have only one set and it's going to be one color, and that's fine. Right? Yeah. But it could get a little on the expensive side getting all these vestments, right? Right. Um, but... So the Lenten purple, it will look a little bit lighter. Hmm. It's, um, forgive this image, but I think a little closer to like the, the Barney purple. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's because if you were mixing paint on a palette, there would be a little bit of red mixed in. And that's okay. the blood of our Lord shed in his passion. Okay. Whereas the Advent purple is deeper, darker, more blue because of the blue that is designated for... For Mary. For what? 
not for Mary, although oh. that's not untrue in a sense, but for royalty, that kings, that was the color. Oh, of, the color, the dark purple. Yeah. Of blue. Yeah. Blue used for monarchs. So. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Fun fact for you. A little fun fact. In purple. But it's got to remind us that we're preparing. That we're okay. um, not in Lent, but still, a penance isn't a bad idea, you know. Um, yeah. Or, but just reminding ourselves that something is, something's coming, something great is coming. And yeah. Easter is the resurrection, and Christmas is the nativity. Also, something else that I, I guess I had known this, but hadn't really focused on it very much. What's um, that? But I am now, and it, you get so focused on the nativity. Yeah. Not unjustly. Uh, mm-hmm. That's kind of a big deal. Kind of. But that Advent has a really, really strong emphasis on the second coming of our Lord. That we prepare, yes, for his first coming uh, in the nativity, but really we're preparing ourselves. And you hear this in the readings in the weeks leading up to Advent and right. the Sundays of Advent. The, the second coming, the coming of our Lord in glory on his heavenly throne in, in judgment to separate the lambs from the goats, you know, and, and mm-hmm. to either reward us or, you know, um, I don't want to say condemn because in a sense, does he condemn or do we condemn ourselves? Right. Right. But, um, Meet out justice. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we're in this um, somewhat penitential season. It's not mm-hmm. a uniquely penitential season, but a preparatory season, if you will, of Advent. Right. I can just, Imagine how, you know, maybe Cardinal Dolan would be advenire <laughs> toward, toward the coming. Right. So that's what the <laughs> word comes from, um, toward the coming of our Lord. So, so how do we prepare the way? What do you do? What do you celebrate? What do we do? There? How do you prepare the way? How can families prepare the way during Advent? Well, I think as parents, we have all these like grand schemes and ideas of what we're going to do. And then the reality of what we actually do. So, <laughs> so we, okay. Very simply, we keep an advent wreath out. The kids, you know, I was away this weekend on retreat. So the kids did get out all the advent stuff while I was gone. They were very excited. So I came back, the advent wreath with wreath was out. We have several advent calendars, and they actually put out our um, nativity scenes as well. So they know that we start with that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we have our advent wreath on our dinner table. And we light it at dinner. And I don't know how this got started, but we turn off the lights and we sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel as we light it. How nice. Uh, and then we keep it lit during dinner and then the rest of the day it's off. <clears throat> because candles with children are dangerous. <laughs> Whatever do you mean? <laughs> adults are dangerous too. <laughs> That's true. And then um, years ago, I made this little sticky Velcro calendar, and it's a nativity scene. And each day they put a new object on the scene, and they learn this, they read the story of Christmas. Nice. Yeah. So simple. So we do that little advent and that actually now that they're older, 
they're more autonomous with that. So I don't really do much, but yeah. Um, what else? So this, I I had this idea, which I actually read someplace and I don't know how we're implementing it, but the gospel of Luke has 24 chapters and I, what's that? Read my mind. And I had, did you give me this idea? I don't think so, but. Yeah. (laughs) So the idea is to read one chapter per day leading up to Christmas Eve. So I said, okay, we're going to do this. And last night we sat down at dinner and we ate dinner and then I decided to read it. The first chapter is like 80 verses. (laughs) It's like a very large chunk for especially the five-year-old. And um, (laughs) so I don't know if we're going to do a chapter a night. We're going to try to do maybe a couple of sections within a chapter. So ideally, if you were an adult and you could have the the attention span, I guess you could do the whole chapter. But um, So that's an idea. But last night we got through 40 verses and people were checked out. So... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In fact, no, I won't share that. Never mind. <laughs> we got we got really off course in the middle of it. So. Were you going to suggest that though? I was. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, it lines up nicely, right? If we do a chapter a day for those twenty four days leading up to the nativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you're you're absolutely right to say sometimes we need to edit that a little bit. Um, I would say even another way to to approach it is um, incorporating scripture more into our advent, um, looking particularly at the infancy narratives of Jesus. So, um, you know, whether it's Luke or um, I think Matthew, um, right? There's this great meme that I saw last year uh, and it's for panels right in in matthew mark luke and john and matthew luke and john it was a a picture of each evangelist and a little kind of one-line um synopsis of his gospel Mm -hmm. for mark it was the picture of the cartoon guy from mulan and Mm -hmm. it's get down to business (laughs) mark's mark is very just like punches you right in the face right away like let's get to the point all right jesus was born and 33 years later like he he's gonna change your life and um so but anyway um looking at at the the stories in scripture of jesus infancy the the his you know um john the baptist's story and jesus birth and then his you know the great story from um from Luke of as a preteen, we assume, right? He's I think he's about 12 years old. Is that what they, um, and then he got lost mm-hmm. in the temple area, you know, preaching and, um, with, uh, I imagine if that was seen where today, I don't know why, but you know, with the elders and the scribes, right. I imagine he's like today he'd be sitting around with like a bunch of the Knights of Columbus. (laughs) (laughs) You have a very interesting mind. Thank you. 
But I think just incorporating scripture a little more intentionally into our lives this Advent, encountering him in the word, right? In the beginning of John, we hear, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and through it, you know, everything was made. Um, we can tend to gloss over that sometimes, mm-hmm. but he's really present, not obviously in the way he's present in the Eucharist, but he is he is beautifully present to us in the word, that living word. Um, another thought I had, hmm. and I wonder what you think about this, how this might work with kids, um, especially uh, those on the, the littler side, right? Um, taking one scene and spreading that out, repeating it, mm. repeating that same scene each night, but having a few minutes. Now I understand it's not going to be a 20 minute meditation or anything, but maybe just even tops like three to five minutes, but yeah. quieting down, you know, invite the kids to close their eyes and kind of introducing them to a more Ignatian style of scripture meditation. Yeah. And, and what that means is, Entering into the scene um, and really trying to visualize and sense the scene that you just read. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? You know, when I think about, for instance, um, again, I've been trying to do that preparing for this Sunday. What am I going to say? What am I going to preach? And kind of trying a little bit to meditate on that that scene of John the Baptist baptized. Jordan River. And I imagine, you know, what do I feel the heat of the sun on my face? Do I do I feel that the sense of butterflies in my stomach? You know, I, I imagine like when I'm online to go to confession and I get that that a little bit of, you know, butterflies, not because I'm frightened, I'm not scared, but I'm it's anticipation. Used by my own guilt, which yeah. is conscience does right and and at least the more or less healthy one will make us that contrition which brings us to confession you know and that was there was no sacramental confession yet but john was was preaching this baptism of repentance and so how did word get around you know picture myself in town or or at work right maybe was i a was I like Joseph, um, you know, a, a, a workman, a carpenter, um, or was I a vendor? Was I a farmer? Did I do one of these? And how did word get to me mm-hmm. that there's this man out there? Um, what led me then to go and, and, and bring myself to that point? Right. Uh, and to go and find him and to accept his message and to say, you know, I didn't do him. I need to repent. And I've been familiar with maybe how the, the priests, uh, you know, would do these ceremonial washings. So that idea isn't foreign, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not a Levite. I'm not a priest. And I'm going to go now and washed clean in the waters of the river. Um, I think also of the, the, the scapegoat, mm-hmm. right? ceremonially place their sins on this goat and send them into the wilderness symbolically, you know, um, being rid of their sins. Um, all those thoughts, how did I end here in this line of people waiting to be baptized in the Jordan? Right. Then, you know, do I hear the sound of 
the the movement of the water the um the gentle sound of body after body being mm-hmm. submerged into this water right. uh, do i hear and, the voice yeah you know hear the voice of one crying out in the wilderness what does he sound like yeah. uh, i'm going on and on only because th- this when you really enter into it it's it, it's very moving you know right. um what did who, who thinks about that, right? And we're we're so busy all the time. One thing to I think even of how I pray, you know, the, the rosary. Uh, you know, most of the time, unfortunately, admittedly, I'm, Hail Mary for the grace of the Lord. Hail Mary. Go <laughs> down. You know, really think about it. Um, yeah. Think of the nativity, or or how could you invite your your kids to kind of. You know, the other word that strikes me here is imagination. Mm-hmm. Well, kids are very good at that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. I, that's why this would actually, the more I think of it, I think this would be really wonderful for, for children. Yeah. And, right, this is something that I only learned as an adult. So if, you, if we can equip children to do this as youngsters, yeah. the, it will enrich their prayer life. Because kids can imagine. I mean, think about we we involve them in books and trying to imagine. Yes, they might be picture books, but as they get older, trying to imagine the scenes that they're reading and how they create their own visualization of what they're seeing. So the same, and and that's actually what happens in this type of meditation because you're imagination is not going to be the same as my imagination and what's going to be important to me in that meditation or what appears to me is going to be totally different than you, what happens for you. And that in itself can mean something, right? So maybe like, I'm very, I don't know. I'm very interested in imagining what John the Baptist's voice sounds like, for example. And I'm like intrigued and watching and listening and what does that say to me? And is, is it calling attention to the fact that I need to listen more or that um, I need to pay attention to what I'm, I'm hearing? You know, there's, there's so many different things that can come out of that. I think it would be really, actually, I never really thought about doing that with the kids. So it's, it's an interesting thought for sure. Yeah. And I think that's why it would be fruitful to repeat the same scene. Maybe choose yeah. one tweak. Yeah. You know? Um, that first chapter of Luke one week um, and not the whole chapter, right? But yeah. once um, and maybe ultimate, maybe the, the last two weeks are both the nativity. There's so much there, you know, I mean, what do I, do I hear? You know, we so often in, in film and, and um, art, we imagine this terrible storm, right? Um because I guess what else could go wrong in the room at the end? And it's raining. Really? I never thought of that before. You always have always seen it illustrated that, that they're in the midst of a, of a terrible storm, too, that on top of everything else, it's raining on them, right? Interesting. Um, you know, do I hear the sound of that rain? Do I feel, um, if I place myself in the, sh- in, the, in the sandals, if you will, <laughs> St. Joseph, is my heart racing? You know, I, this, the love of my life, the woman I love is, you know, and, and our child 
the child of God, by the right. way. <laughs> but, um, but also, even but that. Is Joseph time. thinking about those things at that moment? Like, is he thinking, oh, this is the child of God? Or just like, you know, when you're so nervous, you're just thinking about the next thing you have to do? But something, and let's, let's go with this. Let's ride this wave for a second then. Um, I imagine, now I'm not a dad, right? And yet these are my kids. Mm-hmm. I see the, you know, I greet these these little guys coming off the school bus in the morning and, and coming into school and, uh, or, or coming in to mass and confessional. I mean, these are my children. And all the more, I have to imagine that for Joseph, there was there was no I mean sure maybe in the quiet moments and in the years that followed he wouldn't as Mary kept these things in her heart and pondered these things in her heart I'm sure the same was true for Joseph but I think it, at the critical moment he's just thinking our child mm-hmm. I have to find a place for my wife to give birth to our child mm-hmm. how beautiful is that. Um, Perhaps another way, and I know that maybe this is a little scattered uh, this morning, but I'm just moving with the spirit, you know. Yeah. Another way to prepare during Advent is through the lens of St. Joseph. Let's try to imagine, you know, putting ourselves in his shoes, um, providing for the child and finding, securing a place for the child, creating safe environment for the child. And um, I thought of something else now I forgot, but I, I think often he, in, in the, the, the nativity, Joseph kind of gets forgotten about, right? Because he doesn't say anything yeah. and we don't know that much about him. Yeah. And there seem to be more important players in the scene, right? So, yeah. The Holy Family. What's that? Like the bass player of the Holy Family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but I think even meditating on just what the Holy Family's life was like or could be like or what's going through their mind or any, any of these things are worthwhile meditations. Absolutely. I also think something else important to note, we're each going to relate in different ways to different um, different figures. I can probably relate differently. I can't, I'm not probably, I'm sure I relate differently to St. Joseph than you do. Mm. You relate to Mary than I do. I'm fascinated by the thought of, you know, um, what, what on earth could she have been going through this young girl pregnant, um, you know, the, the, this, this incredible miracle that's taken place, um, you know, in a way I could never know what it's like to have a child and to be thinking about, you know, to ponder these things in your heart, right? That God has done this miracle in you yeah. of life. And now for her, that's multiplied by a bajillion. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's almost like, it's almost unfathomable. You know, it's like you can think only to a certain point, you know? Yeah. So another great way, I think, preparing for for Christmas, preparing during Advent, um, in this kind of meditation 
uh, meditative reading of scripture, but also place, placing ourselves in the scene, mm-hmm. placing ourselves um, within each of the, the figures. Um, but also, perhaps another, another way, not trying to place ourselves in their shoes, but imagining being there with them. Right. And being an observer at the scene. Uh-oh. Well, simply to be a, a fly on the wall at the nativity, at the baptism, um, you know, at, at these, at all these, um, in the caravan, when Mary realizes, she, where's my son? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got lost once when I was a child at Playland in Rye. <gasps> and- Scary. Yeah, um, my mom still talks about it, so I can oh. only imagine. And that was me. Yeah. That Jesus. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Hey, don't say, no, really. Oh, my God, where is he? <laughs> <laughs> but you got like, so that's funny because, right, as a parent, you'd be like, my kid is missing. But at some point, like, does it dawn on Mary, like, oh, well, He's the son of God. He could probably take care of himself. Yeah, I doubt it. Right. Until afterwards. And then she's like, well, duh. I don't know. So, all right. So that's a good idea. So meditation on all of these beautiful scenes, which I've never done with the kids, but I think, I think I'm going to try. I think in terms of our decorations too. I'm I am not of the uh, school of thought that it all has to be bare until yeah. Christmas. However, I'm also um, on the flip side. I, I don't think you necessarily on Thanksgiving Day maybe time for all of it to be out. Not for any reason besides our own benefit. I think we benefit more from kind of gradually adding more and more. Yeah. Um, well, maybe something to try, right? If you have the tree up, absolutely enjoy it, especially this year. I think yeah. the dose of Christmas joy in our lives. But what if you did something like hold a few of the most special ornaments that you have off to the side and maybe each Sunday of Advent add another one? Mm. Something that's going to remind you, okay, we're – we're not quite there yet. There's still this time of preparation, this time of anticipation, um, yeah. but we're getting closer and closer. Yeah, you know, I do like I that. The, so I have I started um my own nativity scene this year. Yeah. Well, now I was either in mom and dad's house or in the seminary, or um, I got my own, but I only have the Holy Family. So <laughs> if I put it. <laughs> Now it would just be an empty little house. <laughs> it's okay though, I think. It's waiting. But um, you know, if you start with maybe camel and a cow. Yeah. Right. And a few days later add a shepherd or two. I don't know, something gradually building up to Yeah. Um and then that we're not tired of it. At Christmas. Christmas starts on it. I know. It always makes me sad when, like, a day or two after Christmas, people start taking everything down. Like, yeah. That's, that's the, that's when it starts. That's yeah. the season. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it has to be totally stark nothingness until then. Yeah, that's your thing. Good for you. Um, yeah. This, I, I think we'd enjoy it more if we right. kind of, and also especially in kids love the 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 ceremony, right? Yes. Love when yeah. they're a liturgy and I don't just mean mass. A lot of kids maybe find themselves bored at mass and um, that's, you know, (laughs) something to work on, but (laughs) in life when there's, you know, like for instance, we had this tradition growing up Christmas morning um, since I was seven, because that's when we were moved into our, our new house, not new anymore, but, um, and the house has an elevator because my brother, John uses a wheelchair. And so on Christmas morning, it was the same story every year. And we, we grew to just love this, you know, mom and dad would, they would wake up and kind of come in and help Johnny get out of bed. And, and, uh, you know, and then we'd be waiting in the room and, and all right, well, we're going to go downstairs and, and make some coffee, you know, don't come down yet, you know? And then I hear my dad from the foot of the stairs, Look into the living room. Oh my gosh, he didn't come. You know? <laughs> We're like, yeah, right. We know Santa came. You know. And, um, then when we got the word, you can come downstairs. We would the three of us get into the elevator. Uh huh. We were small enough to all fit. <laughs> yeah. Would, the order was John and then myself and then Brian and we could come in and and wow you know the just the wonder and the awe of Christmas morning I still remember that yeah you love a little ceremony when you're a kid and right. I think something like figures for the nativity scene or the most um, the most beautiful most special ornaments that you have holding those back and then maybe each Sunday saying okay hey it's five o'clock it's time mm-hmm Oh, to the tree, you know, it might be like something really- yeah, absolutely. We don't have any like official ceremonial kind of like things like traditions like that. But so we went and cut down our tree yesterday, which is the, we do that every year, which is something that we love doing. Um, it's the earliest we've ever done it before. Normally we wait till say like the first weekend in December. But with COVID, the tree farms are open all week and we are homeschooling. So Tuesday afternoon is a good time to go cut down your tree. So we cut down our tree and then it sits in our living room bare for days because I got to put the lights on and I got to put the garland on and whatnot. Um, But I I do like the idea and I have done this where I do a little bit each day and then we all put the decorations on together so it does it does have a sort of a built-in like step-by-step kind of thing with it um little john said that he learned in second grade that um his teacher would keep the wise men across the room so they had the nativity set up but the wise men would get closer and closer every day and he really liked that. So he has our nativity set up with the wise men off yonder. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Home parish, um, St. Augustine's in Ossining, 
pastor, Father McSweeney, he does that for the parish. He has these beautiful statues of the, of the Magi. And they'll start outside, you know, and, the, and he, it's just, it's child or adult. It helps you experience that sense of wonder, that sense of awe that, frankly, we need, not just this year, but yeah. all the time. We have, we have to have that in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's one of my favorite things. Yeah. You know, so where, where are the wise men now? I think the organist told them, don't put them on the organ. <laughs> <laughs> outside of that, go ahead. You know, any, yeah. The kid in us, right? Yeah. So I don't know all this to say, I think whatever little thing you do, like I, I have, I hate when we get so overwhelmed with, we got to do all the things, you know, there's so many good options. I think as long as you're choosing a thing or two to do, to remember that this is a holy season and not a commercial material season, right? Emphasizing, yes, we have to do our Christmas shopping. Yes, we have to get Christmas cards out, but doing a little thing here or there to remember that this is a time. So I, I, a few years ago, we had done like little good deeds, you know, so we baked cookies for people or we, um, we donated some supplies to the, to the dog shelter. And we just did a couple of, what? Uh, so when can I expect my cookies to arrive? Cause that's, uh, what I- that's what you heard. You heard cookies. Okay. Talk to, talk to them. Talk to the Sullivan kids. Go make the cookies. Go ahead. Um, no, so so we just did a couple of little things, and I, and I was very enthusiastic then, <laughs> and maybe I did more than um, more than I have the energy for now. But even little things like that, you know, add up to. You make a great point too that I've I've encountered um, talking with people who who become very concerned, and this is something to be careful of especially if you're if you're really kind of plugged into the catholic world the catholic um social media scene the catholic culture that's wonderful mm-hmm. and you're gonna so many ideas and so many devotions and practices and and all sorts of things um and that's fantastic but it can be very dangerous in the sense that then as you said you feel like well if i'm not doing all of this I'm not really living up to, you know, the Catholic that, that I'm supposed to be. Right. And that's not true. Yeah. And we can convince ourselves of that, that, gosh, I'm just, I'm treading water and I'm just a horrible person because, you know, we're not doing our family rosary and adoration and scripture meditation and outing to the missionaries of charity, homeless shelter, this and that, the other thing. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. That's my... As the Italian side of the family would say, Ashbet. <laughs> <laughs> or as Father Michael would say, calm yourself. Calm yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like we can said, busy ourselves with all those things and still not get anything out of it. Yeah. What what works for you, you know, um, and and go with it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Really enjoy so, yeah. I think that's I think that's a, a Good place to wrap it. Yeah. Yeah. Some some 
fun facts and hopefully helpful tips about preparing for Christmas. Yeah. Um, Actually, I, I feel like I, I, I never, I had really never thought about doing the meditations, but even just talking last night at dinner when I started reading from the Bible and it was just too much, like, well, it doesn't have to be all that. It could just be like a, a smaller section, like you said. Yeah. And that's that. sidebar. That's yeah. a guiding principle when reading scripture in general. Um, I remember a friend telling me once, you know, that, I had mentioned something about in my early days of seminary, you know, incredible zeal for like, again, doing all the things. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to read the Bible cover to cover, front to back. And, and this particular friend had attempted that. He said, do not do that. <laughs> I said, well, why? Cause how can you say it's a bad idea? This is the greatest book ever written. Yeah. Well, True, but if you're just kind of getting into a greater devotion to Scripture, and all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, in the book of Leviticus, <laughs> um, you're going to be really kind of working through that. Start with the Gospels, you know, mm-hmm. don't get bogged down in certain little things. And something else that my uh, spiritual director has told me, said, you know, so here's this passage that I'm sort of assigning you for, for meditation, but the second you feel the Holy Spirit hit your heart with, with something, stop. Mm. Stop dead in your tracks and spend time with that. So if it's Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 20, or whatever it is, right? And at verse 5, I'm moved by something. Stop. Mm-hmm. Okay, you'll get yeah. there someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Gosh, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm excited. So. <laughs> I am actually, this, this is great because this was our whole conversation last night. Well, can we read all of this? Should we read all of this? I'm, I feel like inspired that we'll just take a section of it and we'll spend all week with it. And I think that'll be great. So. All right. So for our listeners, we're going to be taking some time away from this from now until after the holidays are are complete. And we will come back with new content after the new year. Stay with us. But this will be time again, as we're talking about preparing, um, would you pray for us and uh, be assured of our prayers for you that we can all uh, fruitfully uh, prepare for the coming of our Lord. Nativity as well as his second coming in glory in the end. And have a Merry Christmas, too. Thanks for listening to Raising Saints. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and learned something about the faith, the church, and God. Most importantly, we hope you've heard God's voice as he calls out to you in love, as he calls you to a friendship with himself, as he calls you to be a saint. Until next time, God bless you. Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. 
Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com. 